You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. And we return here with another episode here on Taco Tuesday. Unfortunately, Spencer Schultz cannot be with us today. So you get to hear more of my lovely, wonderful voice once again. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a bunch to talk about today. Now, a little bit of some breaking news, or at least breaking news when I was recording this, is that there was a big deal struck, and by big deal, I mean mega, massive, huge, whatever word you want to use, the largest contract in North American sports history was signed yesterday, and that was Patrick Mahomes signing a 10-year, we're not talking no five, six, seven years, no, 10-year deal worth $477 million. It can be worth to up to $503 million. That is massive. A ton of money for one guy. But, I mean, he's earned it. He won a Super Bowl in his third year in Kansas City, was an MVP in his second season, absolutely tore up the league in his first full season. So I think that for Baltimore... You have to look at this in a way that, yeah, this is going to reset the quarterback market because the Ravens have a pretty dang good quarterback themselves in Lamar Jackson. So in the first segment, I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes, and that's weird because this is a Ravens podcast, but I want to relate it back to the Ravens, back to Lamar Jackson. I actually want to analyze a bit of the Kansas City cap situation right now. How are they going to fit 10 years into this? What are the logistics of this deal? Let's get into the nitty gritty of the deal and how this could affect Lamar Jackson and his market and what Lamar Jackson could end up getting. So we'll get into that in the first segment. Then in the second segment, I want to talk a brief bit about expectations for this 2020 team, and I want to do that. I'm going to expand on this in a later episode, a few weeks or a month down the road or so. It could even be sometime this week. In a future episode, I'm going to expand on this a bit, but I just want to do a brief little preview of that, so we'll get a little bit into offensive expectations, defensive expectations. We could do special teams expectations, coaching expectations, so we'll touch a little bit on each of those, but then in a later episode, I'm going to you know dedicate a full episode to talking about offense and defense, and then we'll probably mesh special teams and coaches in into another segment, but in our second segment, we're going to talk about expectations for this 2020 team, and then in the final segment, I want to talk a bit about this little Lamar Fun Day that he's going to have in Florida, or is apparently planning to put on. It's an event for kids, and there are a few rules to this, but obviously, events, that's kind of a weird thing to do right now, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and, you know, we have Mr. Florio over at Pro Football Talk, who has turned on Lamar Jackson, so we'll talk a bit about what this event is. Should he be doing it? Should he not be doing it? What steps is he taking to make sure it's safe? And, you know, we'll kind of relate it back to the jet ski incident. So we're going to get into all of that. So we're going to start right now. But before we do that, of course, our Twitter, at LockedOnRavens, and my personal account, at ChaosTricker34. Again, be on the lookout. We have our mailback episode on Thursday as scheduled. So I'm going to put up that tweet tomorrow. So if you have a question you want to ask me about the Ravens or about anything, football, you know, 
put it down in the comment section of that tweet. Also, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere there's a podcast, we are there. Subscribe to us, notifications on, so you get the notification whenever our new content comes out Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. So, with all, with all that being said, we're going to jump right into this, and we're going to start off with this 10-year mega deal. I mean, that's a, that's an understatement. Massive, huge mega deal that Patrick Mahomes signed. So I want to get a bit into the nitty-gritty of this deal because it's actually very interesting. There were rumors that the Chiefs were actually going to go and put a little bit of, you know, there were rumors that the only way that Mahomes are going to deal done this early because the cap is expected to go up and up and up is that Mahomes would require his contract, instead of having, I guess, a base salary, he would want it to actually be a percentage of the cap. So, for example, he would get 18% of the cap for 10 years. So that would be scaling. His his contract would be scaling with the actual size of the cap. Now, the reason I don't think Mahomes can't push for this as much as they probably would have a few months ago was because the cap has a serious threat. There's a serious threat that the cap is going to go down due to revenue loss, due to coronavirus, and all this other stuff. We don't know if it's going to go up or down. Eventually, the cap is going to recover, and it's going to eventually go up and up and up. But for Mahomes, he was able to secure something better, in my opinion, and that is the guarantee mechanism. So there are a bunch of these in the contract. It goes throughout the entire 10 years. And what the guarantee mechanism is, is pretty much... The Chiefs are going to guarantee Patrick Mahomes' salary a year out. So they're pretty much guaranteeing a salary for the next year, a year in advance. If they don't pick up that guarantee, they're forced to cut him. So what this does is, look, Patrick Mahomes wants all this money. He wants the $477 million. It's a, it's a, basically a $477 million contract with incentives worth up to 503 So I, I believe the incentives are winning the MVP, winning the AFC Championship game, winning the Super Bowl, I think, are those three incentives each year. I think it's a $1.25 million incentive, if I'm not mistaken. So what this does is if the Chiefs wanted to kind of wiggle out of this contract, they can't do it literally without cutting him. And this is probably going to come up in five, six, seven years, right? The Chiefs and Mahomes don't have to worry about this because Mahomes is, you know, just not even entering his prime yet. So what you have is a guy who is going to make all this money. But if the Chiefs end up saying, look, we don't want to pay this guy this much money. It's getting too hefty for our contracts. We can't sign anybody. They can opt out of it, but that means that they're, you know, the restructure might be a little tricky because Mahomes can say, look, I don't want this. Just don't pick up the guarantee and get rid of me. They literally have to guarantee that salary. They have to look a year in advance. And let's say they draft a, a stud running back or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire becomes this, you know, stud and they have to pay him. And then they want to pay five other guys. If they want to look ahead to that future and maybe draft a quarterback, they have to cut Mahomes a year before that. So they have to guarantee that salary, which I think is a really, really interesting interesting tidbit but looking at the Ravens we'll look at Sportrack here for Sportrack they calculate Patrick Mahomes market value or they calculated his market value at 36.3 million dollars but Lamar Jackson they put his market value at 37.4 million dollars so you know Lamar Jackson's worth a little more than Patrick Mahomes and you know that's because I think right now Lamar Jackson is younger he has less experience Mahomes obviously has that Super Bowl when we talk about what Lamar Jackson is going to get he's up for an extension next year Lamar Jackson can get extended after next season Lamar Jackson could very well sign the second 
$500 million contract in sports history. But for Baltimore, you have to look at this as Lamar Jackson, if he wins the Super Bowl, that's when you give out that money. If Lamar Jackson doesn't win the Super Bowl this upcoming year and, you know, that flops, Lamar Jackson probably isn't going to want to be extended next offseason because he wants a chance to up his value by winning the Super Bowl, by winning Super Bowl MVP. Lamar Jackson's value skyrockets at least $100 million when you take a Super Bowl into account. That's what happened with Joe Flacco. It's why Joe Flacco's contract was so hefty. Perfect postseason, Super Bowl win, Super Bowl MVP. Everything came together for Joe Flacco at the exact right time. For Lamar Jackson, it's going to come down to the Super Bowl. It's going to come down if he can bring a Lombardi trophy back to Baltimore. And as I tweeted out yesterday, how much is a Lombardi trophy going to cost the Baltimore Ravens if it's brought back in 2020? $500 million at the minimum. And that'd be worth every single penny, in my opinion. Lamar Jackson is going to get paid. What I think might happen, though, is much like Ronnie Stanley has alluded to, I think Lamar Jackson might take a little bit less money to, you know, that hometown discount. Now, I'm not saying that he should take a discount. Lamar Jackson deserves to get every single penny out of the deal that he gets. Same with Ronnie Stanley, same with everybody. But for Lamar Jackson, I think there's a little bit of me that just thinks that he's going to take that deal. Now, for the Chiefs, their salary cap situation... It's not great right now. It's it's not great at all. For the Chiefs, they don't have a lot of wiggle room, only $2.3 million right now in cap space. Now, this is bad for them because they have some guys to re-sign, and especially Chris Jones, who I do not see on this team. I don't even think this season. I think the Chiefs are going to have to end up trading him. Tyreek Hill's extension, which is purely roster bonuses, pretty much. He has a contract through 2022. They're going to have to sign him to an even bigger extension than he has. Then the Chiefs have to, you know, worry about guys like Travis Kelsey, and they have to worry about guys like Eric Fisher. Sammy Watkins is all but gone. What do they do with Frank Clark? You know, they have a lot of good guys on this roster that they're going to have to re-sign. What happens when Juan Thornhill, who's a budding safety, has to be up for an extension? There are a ton of guys on this roster, I mean, much like the Ravens, to be honest, who they have to re-sign. The Ravens are in the same situation. They're going to have to make this money work. The good thing with Mahomes, at least, is that they made this contract extension two years before the deal was actually up, two years before his rookie deal was actually up. So the Chiefs still have two years of Mahomes' rookie contract before this huge extension kicks in. The Ravens would be wise to do the same because they could sign Lamar Jackson to an extension that might be a bit below market value. You know, if he wins a Super Bowl, you reward him for that. I think that's absolutely necessary. But for me, I think the Chiefs made a good move here. It's not tied to the salary cap. So whether that cap skyrockets up, they're, you know, not necessarily on the hook for that. And it could end up being a bargain. The Ravens could be in the same boat when Lamar Jackson hopefully wins the Super Bowl this season. The Chiefs have a lot of guys they have to take into account and re-sign and give new extensions by the time this deal is up for Mahomes, which ends in 2031. But Lamar Jackson, maybe he's not going to get a 10-year deal. Maybe it's more a 6-7 year deal. But you still look at it, the money could be the same. And if he wins the Super Bowl, I could easily see Baltimore giving him a 10-year deal, which I think would be in excess of $500 million if that Super Bowl is won. It all hinges on that Super Bowl, but I am confident he will do that. He'll bring the Lombardi back to Baltimore and he will be rewarded as such. We're going to head into our first break here, but when we return, we're going to be talking about expectations for this 2020 Ravens team. So stay tuned for that and we will be right back. And we are back with our second segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker is still hanging out with you here. 
And we just talked about the huge mega Patrick Mahomes extension, what it means for Lamar Jackson, even a little bit of what it means for the Chiefs. But now as we move forward here on our episode, we're going to talk a bit about expectations for this 2020 Ravens team. Because look, after a 14-2 and campaign, sometimes we can expect a little too much out of this team. Because look, we had a 14-2 and season, right? The Ravens did a great job and they, they really blew expectations out of the water. But I think it's important to both temper expectations as well as be confident and excited because things are going to be different next season. There is no more 2019 regular season, no more 14-2. and two. All that goes out the window. So again, I'm going to expand on this in a future episode, but I just want to do a little bit of just a little bit of a dive in here and and see what expectations should be, what's going to improve, what might decrease a little bit. So I guess we'll start with the offense. And I think one thing to look at is Lamar Jackson, (laughs) you know, another Lamar Jackson little tidbit here, but you look at it. Lamar Jackson had such a good 2019 regular season. I mean, the 2019 MVP, obviously, did so many good things. Honestly, I think Lamar Jackson has another great, great season in 2020. The issue is, I think his stats look a little different. When you look at what the Ravens are going to have to be able to deal with this season, Look, going into the 2019 season, nobody expected Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense to just tear the world up like they did. So what you had is maybe teams weren't preparing enough or they thought they were confident they could stop him. Now, obviously, as the season went on, that mindset went away. But what you have here is, look, Lamar Jackson, for example, threw a touchdown on 9% of his passes. That is a little bit far-fetched to think that he'll do that again in 2020. One, because, I mean, it's an extremely high number. I think it was the second most in NFL history or something along those lines. But two, what you have is the Ravens offense is most likely going to pass more, right? That means more attempts, more completions, you know, maybe more touchdowns, who knows, probably more interceptions. So what you have is a guy who's probably going to be a little bit less efficient in that regard, but I think a little more efficient in pushing the ball down the field. Sometimes, look, the Ravens were scoring, right? They were scoring touchdowns. That's what they wanted. After a few years of not having the offense that could put it in the end zone, right? They'd just have Justin Tucker try it out for three points, three points, three points, and then the teams would respond with touchdown, 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 and the Ravens would be down 21 to 9 or something. That's a great part of this Ravens offense, but you know, you had those drives where it was a 50-yard bomb to Miles Boykin, and then you punch it in the end zone. But for me, I think Baltimore is going to follow more of an approach that, you know, pushes the ball down the field and four or five plays, boom, they're done. With the Ravens rushing offense in 2019, you know, their drives were 9, 10, 11 plays, and that style worked. Don't get me wrong, it really worked, because what you have is you're tiring the defense out, you're draining the clock, which was key to many, many Ravens wins. But I think the Ravens want to get Lamar Jackson more involved in the passing game. They know he's a good thrower. I know he's a good thrower. You know he's a good thrower. So I think that with Lamar Jackson, he'll probably throw a little bit more interceptions this season, right? Six interceptions in 2019. I think he might throw 10 in 2020. I don't necessarily think that means he has a bad season. He could easily throw for 40 touchdowns. I just think that for Lamar Jackson, 
it might be a little bit too much to expect the MVP, the pure domination week in and week out. We saw Lamar Jackson have bad games in 2019. We saw him get phased out of the game plan, so the Ravens had to beat other teams either with other offensive weapons or with their defense. The Ravens' defense is, I think, the biggest improvement that I think is going to come about here, and I'll talk about that now. The pass rush, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf. you bring back Matthew Judon, you have a year of experience for Jalen Ferguson now, you have another year of experience for Tyus Bowser. These guys on the defensive line, along with Brandon Williams moving back to nose tackle, this defense is built to not only hold leads, but to make sure the offense can stay in the game if they're not having a good day. What this means is that the Ravens are obviously going to have more sacks in 2020 both from the outside and from the inside. But I want to single in on a player, and that's Matthew Judon. What do we expect from a guy who's had an increase in production but hasn't gotten to that Zadarius Smith level yet? Remember, Zadarius Smith signed that deal with the Packers, that big deal, after his rookie contract expired with the Ravens. Matthew Judon gets brought back on the franchise tag. Zadarius Smith goes to Green Bay and becomes immediately one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, if not the best. So now what you're looking at for the Ravens is can Matthew Judon have that ascension? Can he be in a situation now where he's gotten better and he's gotten better and he's gotten better and now this is the year where that switch flips for him? If that switch flips, and I mean, I think it's a decently good possibility it will. I'm not saying he's going to go out and have 20 sacks, but I think realistically... To consider the season a success for Matthew Judon, 10 sacks is a minimum, I think. I think, obviously, if you don't get the 10 sacks, if you're Matthew Judon this season, I think this season's a little bit of a bust. You might lose some money. So what to expect from Matthew Judon? I expect 11, 12, 13 sacks from him. We'll go 11 to 13 sacks. You then look on the other side, Tyus Bowser had five sacks himself. So what are you expecting from Tyus Bowser? I expect seven out of Tyus Bowser. Tyus Bowser, I think, is going to leave him for agency. Uh, I think that's just what's going to happen. The Ravens aren't going to have enough money to re-sign him. They're going to look to the future a little bit. Bowser has really improved. You know, he took the track that they thought Tim Williams would also take, and that was, I guess, be a little bit more of a development project, but then he ascended, and now he's a pretty decent pass rusher. Tim Williams obviously didn't do that, so you have to have high expectations for a guy like Bowser who has improved and is going to continue to, I think, improve as well. Then you look at the back end. You look at the secondary. What can you expect from one of the most elite secondaries in the league? I mean, you can't expect anything but greatness. You bring back Jimmy Smith. You have Tavon Young coming back, right? That's a, that's a secondary where you should be able to have quarterbacks hold the ball for two, three, four seconds to allow that pass rush to get there. You're able to defend against the quick slants now because you have Tavon Young back. Marlon Humphrey did a, did a pretty good job in the slot, but now you have him as that physical outside boundary corner. That helps immensely. You have Marcus Peters as your ball hawk. You have Jimmy Smith as your rotation guy. He can play a bit of safety as well. Earl Thomas, Chuck Clark, Deshaun Elliott, all guys who are going to make contributions. So let's kind of move back to the front seven and talk about the inside linebackers for a second. What can you expect out of young guys leading that core? Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, you have LJ Fort in there as well. You should expect a few hiccups. I think Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison are going to tear up the league this year. But I also think they're young, right? We know they're young. So we have to expect a little bit of growing pain when it comes to somebody or multiple players, for that matter, who are going to be asked to take on a high percentage of snaps at a position that is very knowledge intensive. Not saying that they're not smart. They are smart. They have high football IQs. They know where to be. They know how to get to the football, right? 
But again, the NFL game is so much different from college. They're going to have to learn. They're going to have to continue learning throughout the season. And part of learning is making mistakes. So don't expect these guys to be perfect. They're going to be good. They're going to help the Ravens win games. But again, don't expect them to be perfect and never make a mistake. Then you look at the special teams. You have Justin Tucker, Sam Cook, Morgan Cox, the Wolf Pack together again. There's not a lot I need to say about this special teams unit right now. All I'll say is that they are ready to compete. They are ready to win. Justin Tucker's ready to have another historic season at his historic resume. Sam Cook is going to punt a bit more. I do think the Ravens get stopped a little bit more on their half of the field and have to punt back. And that, you know what? That's okay. With Baltimore, you have the defense now that can stop an opposing team from getting the ball on a punt and driving down the field. That's a good thing. So the Ravens, Sam Cook will be used a little more. And then a little bit on the coaching. The coaching's going to have to, I think, from our last experience with watching Ravens coaching, they're going to have to step up from that. But again, just like these players learn every single week from being on the football field, so do these coaches, guys who have decades of experience, right? They make mistakes sometimes. They have to learn sometimes. Greg Roman, a prime example, one of the best offensive coordinators in the league and one of the best offensive minds, you know, he got outsmarted. He got outwitted and he got a little nervous. He'll, he'll learn from that. I know he will learn from that. He'll make it so his playoff resume does not dictate from those two losses, or his Ravens playoff resume at least does not dictate from those two losses to the Chargers and the Titans. He'll make it through. John Harbaugh is becoming a player's coach, right? He has to rally these troops. I expect him to be a coach of the year candidate once again. Baltimore's in good shape all across the board, but what I'm trying to convey is that we can't expect perfection. You know, I say the Ravens are going to go 15-1. and That's pretty close to perfection, but for me... I know that there are going to be bumps along the way. The Ravens didn't win 16 games in 2019. We saw the Ravens at their best, and we sure saw the Ravens at their worst in weeks three and four. There are going to be games like Cleveland. There are going to be games like Kansas City, right? The Ravens didn't play well against Pittsburgh in week five. The Ravens had a little bit of a rough time playing against the 49ers and the Bills, right? There are going to be games like that. But that's all right. You know, barely any team goes 16-0. and 0. It's going to be kind of weird to experience another loss, just like, you know, Tennessee. It was weird to experience that because Ravens fans hadn't felt a loss in, you know, almost four months at that point. So for Baltimore, there will be pains. There will be ups and downs. But I think the ups will severely outweigh the downs. And this team is going to be ready to compete in 2020. We're going to head into our final break now, but when we return, we're going to be talking about Lamar Jackson's latest quote-unquote incident with the media, so stay tuned for that. We will be right back. And we are back with our final segment of this Taco Tuesday edition of Locked on Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Allstriker, still hanging out with you here, and we're back to talk about Lamar Jackson's latest, I guess, run-in or incident with the media. I don't really consider it that. But Mike Florio Pro Football Talk has been making a huge deal about this. And Mike Florio, I believe, was one of the most controversial football personalities in all of sports. He does not seem happy with the fact that Lamar Jackson is intending to proceed with Fun Day with LJ. It's the third annual event that he's doing. This is the third annual Fun Day with LJ. It's an event in his hometown of Pompano Beach, Florida, and it's going to be an event held on July 11th and July 12th, so during the weekend. It's going to host local children and family members at McNair Park for six hours a day. So you look at that and you say, well, this is a great idea, right? It's kids. It's able to get people out and active, and he's going to be able to have fun with everybody. 
But let's remember something that we're kind of in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, Florida's kind of the hot spot right now for the pandemic and Florida has a bad rep when you talk about states in America, I'll leave it at that, but... The ad for the event says, come have some fun in the sun. There's going to be go-karts, rock climbing, a seven-on-seven flag football game, two water slides, an obstacle course, a game truck, a food truck. Don't miss out. But the ad has their three caveats. One, adults must wear masks. Two, Lamar Jackson will not be signing autographs, and his main focus is to have fun with the children. And three, a waiver must be signed for children to participate in any event. So obviously Lamar Jackson knows there's some threat with with having this event. He knows that people getting together, right? He's a smart guy. He knows that, you know, all these people together might be a hotspot for coronavirus. It's a little confusing to me. I don't understand why he would throw it. I mean, I do understand the reasons behind it, right? It's, you know, combat the virus and to make sure that he's able to get out, have fun, do some charity work. Lamar Jackson's a great guy. Lamar Jackson loves to hang out with kids and to get involved in communities. And, you know, it's his hometown. So I I don't blame him at all for this. But look, we are in the middle of a pandemic, right? Lamar Jackson, although we are in the middle of a pandemic, should be able to do, you know, what he wants to do. I'm not going to tell him again. There's just like the jet ski incident. I'm not going to tell him to not play on the beach with his friends. I play flag football on the beach with his friends. I'm not going to tell him to not host an event that's really important to him. This isn't like this event that he threw together last minute said, oh man, I don't care about this virus. I just want to do something and make money and have kids there and, you know, raise money for charity. This is the third time that he's doing this. It's not just like this random event. So of course he still wants to put it on. Now my question is will the Ravens tell him to shut it all down? Because look, it's probably not the best idea to have all these people in this same vicinity as each other, regardless of if the adults are required to wear masks, regardless of if there's a waiver. But again, I'm not telling Lamar Jackson what to do. I'm, you know, I'm not somebody who has that authority. And personally, I don't think I would want to be because he's allowed to do what he wants. He's a smart guy. I'm sure he's talked it over with his team of, look, I want to hold this event. How can we make it safe for everybody? Because this is something that is close to my heart and I want to do it. Now, obviously, there might be a scenario where Lamar Jackson catches too much heat for this or the Ravens do say something. And ultimately, he decides just to just postpone the event until 2021. I think that's the smart decision. I I wouldn't want to risk it if I'm Lamar Jackson either. Not only is it maybe a hotbed for these virus infections, but if you're Lamar Jackson, you you have to worry about, hey, if if this happens and I'm not ready for training camp just a week or two after, I might be in trouble. So maybe it's not the best idea to have this, you know, when it is supposed to be going on and everything, but... I don't know. Uh, it's Lamar Jackson's obviously been under scrutiny by the media for a bunch of different things, right? He's had to apologize for certain incidents such as, you know, driving and Snapchatting. You know, that's a dangerous thing. Lamar Jackson is still extremely young though, right? Lamar Jackson is still learning, you know, not on the football field, not just from a football perspective, but but as a human, as, a, as an actual person. So we have to give him a little bit of slack here. I ultimately do think this event is not going to be held. It's kind of upsetting because I know Lamar Jackson really does want to hold this event. There is no malice with Lamar Jackson in his want to hold this event. This is something he wants to do for the community to have the ability to go out there and have fun, right? We've all been cooped up for what seems like years now, honestly. But what we have is an example of a young player 
wanting to do something for his community, wanting to give back to his community in a way that he can. He thinks that he's made it safe with having adults wear masks and the waivers, right? Those are good steps to take. I'm not saying that he hasn't thought this through because I, I truly think he has. But I do think at the end of the day, either him or his team or the Ravens will put a stop to it because I think ultimately this is you know, going to catch a little bit of traction, first of all. But second of all, I just think one of them is going to come around and say, look, this can't happen with the way the world is right now. Maybe once March hits, once April hits, you can have this thing again and then maybe have another one. So you could have the third annual one be in April and then you know, the fourth annual one be on July 11th and 12th of, of next year. So who knows what's going to happen. But again, I'm not one to tell Lamar Jackson what to do. I would not want to be one to tell Lamar Jackson what to do. I think Lamar Jackson is going to learn, I think, from this, you know, from scheduling this event. You have to understand that you have to, you know, be a little smart with these things. And he was smart. He was able to identify that, look, the adults have to wear masks. We're not going to risk everybody just coming out without masks. A waiver is going to be signed for these children so that if they do catch the virus, one, we can't be liable. But two, we're just protecting ourselves from this. So look, he knows. He's smart. I do think this event's going to be canceled. But again, it's just making headlines. I thought I would talk about it for a segment and, and say that, I am on board with whatever Lamar Jackson wants to do. If it was me, if I was Lamar Jackson, I probably would not hold this event. I mean, it's a pandemic we're going through right now. Cases are spiking, especially in places like Florida, Arizona, Texas. So I think if you look at the bigger picture and I was Lamar Jackson, I wouldn't throw it. But look, you know, we can't tell Lamar Jackson what to do. You know, we can give him advice, but we can't tell Lamar Jackson what to do. So if this is something that does happen... I wouldn't put too much stock into it. I think this is just Lamar Jackson really, really trying to be a good human, a good person, give back to his community, and just have some fun. So I'm not going to you know, bash him for this. I'm not going to say anything negative about him for this. I just hope that everything works out for him, for the attendees, for the Ravens, for everybody involved, that this can be a safe event if it is put on. But if it's not, I ultimately think that's probably the better decision. That's all I have for you guys today. When we get back tomorrow, it's more Ravens talk from us starting our new Wednesday episodes. So stay tuned for that and I will see you tomorrow.